Welcome to FitChix Chat, the weekly podcast dedicated to educate and empower women to take control of their lives, where we talk about fitness, nutrition, mindset, and wellness. Today's episode is brought to you by FitChix Academy, where we help heart-centered women who love health and fitness get certified as fitness and nutrition coaches and build amazing businesses. If you're ready to create the life, health, and career you love, please join us for any of our upcoming certifications that you can read more about at FitChixAcademy.com. Now let's dive into this week's episode of Fit Chicks Chat. Hello everyone and welcome to Fit Chicks Chat. My name is Amanda Quinn and on today's podcast, Laura Jackson's not joining me because instead I have a very special guest that I'm extremely excited to talk to. I have Tammy Ross joining me. Hi, Tammy. Hey, I'm so glad to be with you today. We'll have some fun and talk about some good stuff. I know. I'm really excited. So Tammy, just so any, um, anyone who's curious, Tammy is a bestselling author and her book right now that's out is called What Do I Eat Now? It's a guide to health, a guide to eating well with diabetes or pre-diabetes. And the reason why I'm so excited to talk about this is because I know how important this topic is. I have a lot of family members that deal with diabetes or that are pre-diabetic. And it's like, it's an area that just a lot of people are not educated on, or they just don't really know like Mm -hmm. where to turn and they're getting a lot of misinformation. Mm -hmm. So I'm really honored to be able to have you share this with us today. Oh, oh, I'm glad. We'll try to keep it easy and understandable. (laughs) (laughs) All about keeping it easy. Yeah. Definitely. So in terms of the, what do I eat now? The book, you know, mm-hmm. is that a question that you get frequently? Is that something that, cause I know as a fitness professional, as a health coach, I mm-hmm. get asked that all the time. Like, what do I yeah. eat before my workout? What do I eat after? What do I eat now that I'm, you know, transitioning to this healthier lifestyle, et cetera. Like there's so many right. questions in, mm-hmm. is that why, what sort of prompted you to write this book? You know, it really is. So I'm a dietitian by training and have been in practice over 25 years. And yeah. um, the bulk of my patients and clients have, have been dealing with diabetes or pre-diabetes and the number one question I hear is what do I eat now because you know it can seem overwhelming and confusing and what I want people to know is that healthy eating doesn't have to be confusing it doesn't have to be complicated it doesn't have to be tasteless and so that was really my goal with what do I eat now is to try to um, share practical doable evidence-based information in a way that people say hey yeah I can do that so um, it's just loaded with lots of practical tips I love that you said that too, that the whole, it doesn't have to be tasteless because so many people believe that as soon as they're starting to eat quote unquote clean or healthier, they feel like it just has to become really boring, really bland, Bland. really like just grilled chicken and broccoli is like everything gets, like everyone has that that comes to mind. And it's like, those things can be incorporated, but they can also be delicious if you make them a certain way. Right, right. And there's lots of different ways that you can add flavor and, you know, pump up the color and all kinds of different tips. It doesn't have to be boring. So uh, (laughs) I'll share with you as we go along some of my For sure. Now, your book includes eight tips to guide in finding your healthy eating style and maintaining it for a lifetime. What are those eight tips? Yeah, well, so the first one is that everything that we eat, you know, matters over time. It adds up and that's what can contribute to good health. And so we can talk about, you know, some of the tips with that. But I think it's important to get variety. And that's a a thing, you know, we were talking about chicken and broccoli, that can get really boring. But um, the way I like to think about it is if you look at your plate, 
you want to see lots of different colors and red and yellow and orange and green and purple, like purple cabbage or eggplant. But we're going for color because what that ensures is that you get a variety of foods and a variety of nutrients too. And sometimes just serving food on a different color plate. You know, we kind of eat with our eyes. Do you see that? You know, that you... (laughs) kind of more appealing if it's on a a pretty plate. So, um, you know, I'm a fan of that. Um, Portions are another big thing that Mm -hmm. people are concerned about. And um, there's been some research done kind of interesting looking at plate size. And if you go from, say, a 10 or 12 inch dinner plate down to, say, a lunch size, you know, that reduces several hundred calories. And it kind of tricks us. You know, we we see that and we can fill that smaller plate up and think, oh, I'm eating a lot, right? But it's, you know, it's it's fewer calories. So those are kind of three tips to start with. Um, And we can talk about some more as we go along related to swaps and um, changes that you can make there. That sounds great. And I totally agree. You know, it's funny. So many people have told me over the years, like, you know, you should just like use the little salad plate as your dinner plate and stuff. And like, I understand it logically. I just like personally, I can't do it. (laughs) I I just personally can't do it because it's like, I mentally know what I'm doing. And I just feel like, I feel like it's like, I can't trick myself enough to be able to do it. That's just my own. <laughs> but the other swaps are easier. That's just the one that like I'm stuck on and I can't do it. Well, my husband was right with you on that one, you know, but it was kind of interesting maybe two years ago. We've got our dinner plates probably are like 11 inch plates, but in the summer I bought these outdoor picnic plates, you know, like the melamine ones that you can wash and they are yeah. about nine inch plates. So it's kind of interesting. And we eat off those more than we do our dinner plates now just because they're easy wash and deal with you know but it downsized our portions and so my husband who is all about you know I don't know if I can do that he actually chooses that now so just for us personally um and you know it was kind of interesting a, a patient that I worked with he was trying to manage portions and he said I'm just going to start eating off the old-fashioned picnic plates you know the paper ones <laughs> yeah <laughs> Very interestingly enough, he's like, I don't have to wash dishes now. I can just throw them away. They were recyclable. But he went on to lose 30 pounds because his portions were smaller by eating off the smaller plate. So, uh, and you can't load it high. You can't load it high on those plates because it'll collapse. <laughs> he actually asked me that, though. He said, well, how high do I get to, you know, pile my plate? And, you know, kind of the, the short answer to that is, right, they don't hold a whole lot because they're plain. But about the the height of the deck of cards is is what we're talking about here. Now, in terms of, you know, in your book, you mentioned there is not a one size fits all eating Mm -hmm. approach, especially when it comes to managing diabetes. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's actually a bunch of different patterns, you know. Right, right, which is pretty cool. Yeah, like, can you share with us what those kind of things can look like in order, because specifically when we're talking about managing diabetes, I know that all of this can also apply with other Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, regardless if you're managing diabetes or not, but what would you say in terms of like these different eating approaches um, that are out there and how do they benefit Yeah. So, you know, if I reflect back when I first got into the field of diabetes back in those days, everybody was told don't eat sweets, no sugar for you, no concentrated sweets. And over time, um, you know, researchers have really looked at 
what can be helpful and beneficial. And there's actually eight different eating patterns that um, the evidence has been published this last year that they're beneficial. And one is the Mediterranean style eating approach, which mm. I'm a big fan of that. Um, you know, but also there's great acknowledgement that plant-based eating, so whether it's vegetarian, vegan, or just simply trying to eat more plant-based foods, Carbohydrate continues to be a focus, so the low-carb or very low-carb can help with blood sugars, help with weight. Um, Low-fat, very low-fat are still around, as well as the DASH eating approach. Have you heard of that? Are you all familiar with DASH? I'm I'm not familiar with DASH. What is DASH? It is. It's an abbreviation for Dietary Mm -hmm. Approaches to Stop Hypertension. And so it's an eating approach that really focuses on close to nature, lots of fruits, vegetables, low-fat dairy, smaller portions and meat, and then reducing sodium to really help with blood pressure. And so really all of those eating approaches can help folks that are trying to manage um, blood glucose, weight, heart health. Um, So it's good to have options, I think. Yeah. You know, good to have lots of different options and kind of thinking about which one resonates with me, which one, you know, can I work on and then taking small steps to move in that direction. Because as we were talking about earlier, if you try to overhaul everything, you know, it gets overwhelming. So I was going to say, yeah, to go from someone who, you know, like maybe your regular diet is including, you know, meat and meat byproducts constantly to then just say, you know what, I'm going to go vegan instantly. It's a huge change. And it takes, I think, you can do it, but my approach is always baby steps. Whenever you're doing anything in your life, it's like take these smaller steps yes. towards the end goal as opposed to just trying to jump there. It's not a race. Absolutely. And we were talking about the eight tips, and that's one of them is to take small steps. You know, one swap, one day, one meal at a time. Because if you try, for instance, to cut out meat, you're, you're likely not going to stick with it. But if you think, hey, if I'm going to try to eat more plant-based, if I eat one plant-based meal a day, maybe once a week to start with. You know, so maybe at breakfast, you swap out dairy milk for almond milk on your oatmeal and, you know, have a little bit of fruit with that. Um, You know, so that's a small step or maybe you decide, Hey, at mealtime, I'm going to do a whole grain pasta with marinara instead of adding meatballs to it, you know, so just little things like that, that can kind of move you in the direction of where you want to go. And how do you feel about like the, uh, I'm curious to know your opinion on like, if someone is trying to go that route of like limiting meat and meat byproducts, Mm -hmm. I guess two questions. One, yeah, how does that sort of benefit if you are someone who is diabetic or pre-diabetic? Like, what is it about meat mm-hmm. products that affect that? And then the second thing, do you um, encourage, like, substitution? Like, you know how, like, there's a lot of those, like, meat substitute, mm-hmm. like, meat, meatless burgers and all that stuff. Do you encourage yeah. those? Because I know that they're kind of controversial, for lack of a better word, because they have yeah. everything they're loaded with. So I'm curious to know your right. opinion on those. So, you know, in terms of meat, there's a couple things we think about. One is portion size. How much are you eating? Are you eating a 12-ounce steak or are you eating, you know, a four-ounce four little filet? So we think about that, and with that comes 
fat, which is going to give you calories. So if you're trying to, say, lose weight, and we know that weight loss helps lower blood sugars and it helps with heart health. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to lose some weight, it may mean going to a different portion. It may mean choosing a leaner meat. So um, there's strong recommendations to fit in fish twice a week. And so I get lots of questions about, well, how do I do that? And I don't like to cook fish. <laughs> or, um, but, you know, I, I think about a client that I worked with and she was trying to fit in fish. And so she would buy the little pa foil packets of tuna or salmon and just put that on a pre-prepared bagged salad that she would buy. So that was one way. Mm -hmm. And then she said, you know, when we order out on the weekend, I'm just going to start ordering grilled fish instead of steak. And so that was her way to really make a difference, get more of the fish, which has the good heart healthy omega-3 fats, you know, and kind of make that swap. So to go back to your question, I think we're thinking about portions. We're thinking about the type of meat that you eat. And then if you're wanting to transition, um, you know, to more plant-based, there are soy-based options that you can use. Um, those do have carbohydrates. So if people are trying to manage carbohydrate to manage blood sugars, that has to, you know, be taken into account. Some can be higher in sodium. So uh, I don't know if I answered your question or not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you definitely did. You definitely did. I just wanted to know, you know, I really just wanted to understand sort of your, the reasoning behind, I guess, because I'm not very familiar with the different and how the different diets affect or assist in um, alleviating any diabetic or pre-diabetic sort of issues. And so I was just trying to understand, yeah. especially specifically when it came to meat, because I gotcha. know so many people are such big carnivores that it's, you know, I always am just curious as to like how that would be affecting their diet and just understanding the science behind that. Yeah, that so makes sense. Yeah, it's the fat and the calories. And when we look at, you know, the different eating patterns that we were talking about, what's kind of common among all of them is that they focus on a lot more non-starchy vegetables. So things like, you know, green beans, tomatoes, broccoli, carrots, all of that. Uh, there's like 80 different kinds of non-starchy vegetables, but really heavy emphasis on those. So when you think about what do I put on my plate, about half of the plate, the goal is, would be covered with the non-starchy vegetable salad, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, all the eating patterns as well focus on more close to nature foods, so less processed foods, to your point, that we were talking about. Um, more whole grain foods, less refined foods. So that's kind of what's common among all the eating patterns. Okay. Um, so with the protein, you know, if you're doing Mediterranean, you may be having more fish, more seafood. If you're doing DASH, we're thinking more about, you know, lean chicken, lean turkey, lean sources of meat. Um, if you're doing vegetarian or vegan, it may be more plant-based options. You may be doing lentils and whole grain, you know, rice or something like that to give you the protein. So, um, you know, basically what they show is all those options can work. The Mediterranean eating approach is going to be the best way to go for heart health uh, if you're looking at reducing cardiovascular problems. So. Interesting. Why is that? Do you know? Like, is it just is it just the types of foods they just are more heart healthy yeah. because of fish and whatnot? That's exactly right. And so it's the types of fats as well. The Mediterranean eating style is very much the plant-based fats. So if we think about it, you know, olive oil, canola oil, 
um, avocado, you know, is that the good heart healthy fats? And so the Mediterranean style is not necessarily low in fat, but it's just the type of fats. And so if someone was trying to eat more Mediterranean, you know, instead of say butter or margarine on a roll, you could add um, just a drizzle of olive oil mm-hmm. or instead of a solid fat in cooking, you know, everything is bacon these days. <laughs> uh, and instead of, you know, cooking with bacon, you could cook with a flavored olive oil for um for Christmas this year, some friends sent us three different flavors of olive oil as a gift, and I've really enjoyed using that. You know, that really just pumps up the flavor, gives you lots of variety. So I know, um, but it's so interesting how they taste so different. I just bought a new do. olive oil the other day, and it's uh-huh. like it's an extremely light one where it literally almost has zero flavor. It's so light, and it's so oh. interesting. I really like it, but my husband doesn't because he he likes that like a little he bit likes the pungent like flavor. flavor. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, but it's just so, so interesting how they can sh- they can vary so much. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the, the pressing. Like the first press is going to be the extra virgin olive oil, so you get the milder flavor. And then each time they go back and press the olives, the flavor gets stronger. And people have def you know definite preferences, one way or another. But um, you can add garlic to it. I, I love to do that. Put a little bit of garlic in with it when I'm cooking, and that'll really add some more flavor. Now, have you found that any, um, in like, in your, all of your research, have, has there been any particular diet or has there been any proven evidence that mm-hmm. following any of these diets would actually um, sort of change the trajectory if you are in pre-diabetic yeah. state? I know once you have diabetes, you're then just managing it as far as mm-hmm. I know, correct? You can't really mm-hmm. reverse it, mm-hmm. but if you're pre-diabetic, you can. Is there anything in particular that you would suggest that people do that are listening yeah. now? That's a really great question because here in the U.S. where I am, um, one in three adults has prediabetes and most don't wow. know it. Wow. Yeah. That's unbelievable. It is. It really is. Um, prediabetes is when the blood sugars are a little bit higher than normal, but they're not high enough to be in the diabetes range. And so in that prediabetes range, kind of the way I think about it is that's when you've really got the power to change. And lifestyle is a huge, huge part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so with prediabetes, there's over a 50% chance that you can turn back time and, and halt it or at least slow the progression. And so I always encourage people, know what your blood sugars are, you know, and if you see them gradually creeping up when you go in and get your lab work done, um, that's kind of a yellow caution flag to do something. And there, you may have heard of the Diabetes Prevention Program. It's a big um, nationwide mm-hmm. program focused on helping to prevent diabetes. And so what we know is that weight loss is a huge factor. So losing five up to 10% of your weight, um, you know, which that would be 10, 15 pounds, you know, for a lot of people. It's very doable, but it dramatically lowers the blood sugar. Um, the second thing that really comes into play and is part of the diabetes prevention program, we were talking about fat and how fat calories, you know, fats have about two and a half times as many calories as say meat, protein, um, right. or carbohydrate. And so the diabetes prevention program really focuses on reducing fat and that reduces calories. But what we know too, evidence shows, is that reducing carbohydrate can help in that pre-diabetes range. And that other piece is the fitness piece. So really getting that physical activity at least 150 minutes a week is what, what it, the focus
focuses. So those are kind of the three things that if you or someone you know, their blood sugars are rising, they're in that pre-diabetes range, those are three things you can do right now to work on, you know, to um, reduce risk. That's perfect. That's so helpful, I think, because so many people don't, like those things are doable. They're not overwhelming. It's not like- They are doable. You're not asking to like do a complete overhaul. It's literally no. just some small changes to make a big impact mm-hmm. in the trajectory of your life and your health. Yeah. And, um, you know, I like when I'm working with patients and clients to set five pound weight loss goals, because that seems- achievable Mm -hmm. and doable. And people are like, yeah, okay, five pounds, I can deal with that. You know, and then if you need to go on to lose 10 or 15 in total, that's kind of your mini victory, you know, your little milestone. Yeah, you can celebrate that and then go, okay, I can do five more to get to my goal. Um, Or with physical activity, I'm a huge fan of activity trackers, Mm -hmm. you know, to see how many steps you're walking during the day. And, Mm -hmm. um, that 150 minutes, that's going to be about 20, 25 minutes most days of the week. If you're tracking your steps, you know, the big push goal for health is 10,000 steps a day. And so by getting familiar with your, you know, how many steps you take, it can help be a motivator to to do more. It can be a real eye opener too. Because I know for me, I'm very, I I like to, I like meat, which is like the non-exercise activity. Um, and, And I'm all about that. Like I go for walks with my daughter, I go for bike rides and stuff. But there was a point, especially in the wintertime here in Canada, it gets very cold. Yes. <laughs> and there was a yes. point where, where you don't want to go outside. And I would like look at my tracker and be like, oh, 274 steps. What? Like I literally just went from like up to down, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's unbelievable to me, like to not move because I, I never use it when I, I was like exercising. I would just yeah. use it outside of my exercise activity. And yeah. so I could track outside of that piece, but it's just, it's such an eye opener and it's, it's really such a is. game changer though. When you can track, they say that on average, if you're doing 10,000 steps a day, that's about mm-hmm. 500 calories right. burned roughly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's like, you can burn a pound a week just by walking and walking is the easiest mechanism of exercise in my opinion. I love that. I mean, that's so doable and, you know, practical to think about that. But, you know, that makes me think about a dentist uh, that I worked with. She was one of my patients and, you know, she spent most of her day sitting and, and, you know, cleaning teeth, et cetera. And so, Um, I finally convinced her to wear an activity tracker to see, you know, how many steps are you getting? And she found that over a day, she was typically getting about 1500 steps. And she's like, Oh, my gosh, you know, I need yeah. to do more, more. So it was interesting. She got um, a wrist tracker that she wore. And when she came back for her next appointment, she had increased her activity to 6,000 steps a day. And so, you know, I just think seeing that yeah. really motivated her to to do something different. So agreed, yeah. agreed. And the only tip that I ever tell our listeners is if you find though it's causing a negative impact where you are being difficult on yourself or you're punishing yourself because you didn't mm-hmm. hit that goal, or it's get rid of your it. stress. Yeah. Get rid of it. Yeah. It's the same thing I feel about social media. You're following someone that makes you stressed out, delete them. I, <laughs> but it's I the love same how idea. you think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't it can don't be create a negative space. Yeah. <laughs> 
We're all about keeping it positive. So I love that. Yeah, exactly. I think you have to when it comes to health, because if you keep it like we're so hard on ourselves as it is that if we focus on the negative, it just increases and makes it even that much more overwhelming. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. But you know, we were talking about how do people prevent diabetes? Those are kind of the that activity piece, you know, really comes into play a lot trying to bump up that activity in combination with the weight loss and managing carbohydrate and proteins or uh, fat rather. So um, it is doable and people can make a big difference. For sure. Now, I know earlier we were talking about the different eating patterns and all the different eating Mm -hmm. styles. And we were talking a little bit about some of the things that you can eat, but Mm -hmm. are there any specific foods specifically for diabetic or pre-diabetic that you should 100% include in your diet to help? Mm -hmm. I know you're talking about fish and things like that, but Mm -hmm. then are there any foods that you just say like avoid it at all costs Mm -hmm. because it really is just going to be more damaging than good? That's a really great question. You know, uh, kind of going back to what we were talking about that's common among the eating patterns, that non-starchy vegetables is something yeah. definitely that you want to eat. And, um, you know, just thinking about when I fix my plate, is at least half my plate covered with those those veggies. And that's a good place to start. You know, it could just be that you say, hey, I'm going to fill half my plate with salad. And today that's what I can do, you know. Or it could be we're going to grill outside and I'm going to grill some peppers and mushrooms and whatever. So, yeah, just bumping up those vegetables, um, looking at the healthy fats. We were talking about that. You definitely want to include the healthy liquid plant-based fats as, a, mm-hmm. as opposed to the solid fats. When I think about things that you definitely want to avoid, there's strong evidence that says avoid sugar-sweetened beverages because we know that not only does it raise blood glucose for people that have diabetes or pre-diabetes, but there's um, cardiovascular metabolic impact from those that's, that's not good. And so as we think about you know things like maybe sweet sodas or juices or... Mm-hmm energy drinks, you know, there's a whole variety of sweetened beverages out there. But thinking about how do I make a swap to reduce that sugar? Um, I'm a huge fan of infused water. I don't know. Have you ever made infused water before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We have it in our house all the time. And I actually, I make a lot of like, it's not really iced teas. I just take like tea bags and I just leave them in my coffee cup in with water and yeah. it's just cold water but it just has like a little bit of flavor because it doesn't steep it the same way and I love that I love that I've never done that <laughs> I'm gonna have to try that yeah but it's just a very hint it's nice a hint of it yeah um but with infused water you know I'd like you just take water and this week I cut up an orange and put in there and there was a, a lemon that I had in my fridge and then we've got mint growing in our backyard so a couple of pieces of fresh mint and you know just letting that in sit and infuse in the fridge for a couple of hours really flavorful so we've got a picture of that going down in our our kitchen but you know that cuts like 12 teaspoons of sugar if you go from a sugar sweetened soda to infused water or infused tea you can do it with tea as well Mm -hmm. Um, makes a huge difference so to kind of go back to your question you know definitely eat more veggies we talked about fitting fish in twice a week we talked about um, the liquid fats plant-based and definitely avoiding sugar sweetened beverages and a lot of refined foods you know kind of the thinking is keep it close to nature I love that. And I, you know, I totally agree. We even did a podcast recently that we were talking about how even with food, the way that it's created, the way that mother nature created it is 
perfect in its right. You know, like an apple with its skin is perfect. When you take off the skin, you're actually losing some of those nutrients exactly. that it has. So it's like as much as possible, the, as raw as possible that you can eat food. Yes. The better. <laughs> yes. I'm right with you. You know, that's an example I use a lot, an apple versus apple juice. You know, apple juice, you can just drink it right down. You don't get a lot of satisfaction from it. Yeah. And you lose all that fiber, you know, that was in the exactly. And the same with oranges versus orange juice. So, yeah, keeping it as unprocessed as possible, as close to nature, is definitely going to give you more bang for your buck, for sure. Yeah. Now, do you have any final thoughts or suggestions for anyone listening today who might either have family members like myself or mm-hmm. that may be in their own sort of state where they're struggling? Um, is there anything in particular that you would say to them that they should really just be mindful of or do to be able to just, like, help themselves or their family members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I think about, we talked about just small changes, you know, mm-hmm. think about what am I doing that, you know, I, I feel good about. Maybe I've started eating a few more vegetables. How can I do that more often? How can I fit that in? Um, so I think really leveraging your areas where you're successful and trying to do more of that is definitely mm-hmm. going to help. And we've talked about that move more, sit less is huge. Um, so for people that are trying to, you know, prevent diabetes or turn back time with pre-diabetes, really that mm-hmm. being active, managing weight and um, you know to really have the biggest impact on blood sugars it's reducing carbohydrate we haven't talked a whole lot about that but that'll really give you a big bang for your buck if you are trying to bring blood sugars down quickly um, is cutting back on those carbohydrate foods like you know the grains the starchy vegetables right um, dairy that kind of thing just reducing not cutting out just cutting back so (laughs) I love that and I love I love to end on that idea because I think so many people feel like what we talked about in the beginning is the all or nothing mentality, mm-hmm. this approach of like, I have yeah. to just give up all of the things I love and do the things I don't like. And it's like, yeah. you really don't. You just you have don't. to be able to figure out a way to make it work for you in a better way because what you're doing right now is not necessarily working. Right, right. I, I love that. And, you know, just keeping it practical, keeping it real. As, as much as you may try to do everything perfect, life happens, and there's just going to be days where things don't go as planned. And, you know, we started out talking about the eight tips. The other three that we didn't touch on is that, you know, the foods that are good for people with diabetes and prediabetes are good for everyone. And right. it's important to have a cheerleader, somebody that's going to give you the support and be on your team to help you maybe plan meals or shop for food and um, just really celebrating those little successes that we talked about. So that kind of wraps up where we started with the <laughs> Love it. Now, where can our um, listeners learn more? I mean, of course, um, anyone listening, um, all of the links for Tammy, if you want to get in touch with her, if you want to check out her book, um, will be included in the blog post as well. But yeah. Tammy, where can, if anyone is interested in learning more or in purchasing your book, how mm-hmm. can they do so? So the book, What Do I Now? It's available in bookstores. It's at shopdiabetes.org, which is the online bookstore for American Diabetes Association. It's on Amazon.
Amazon, probably the best price there. <laughs> but um, if, if people want to connect, I'm on Twitter, Tammy Ross RD, Instagram, LinkedIn, and then my website is TammyRossRD.com. So love to connect with people, hear from people, and um, hope this book is helpful to some of your listeners. It's wonderful. Thank you so much, Tammy, for all Thank your time you. and all of your knowledge. I really appreciate Great it. Great talking with you. Really had fun and appreciate it. Thank you. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. And of course, remember to check out fitchicksacademy.com for our upcoming certification programs, as well as for under our free section for all of our blog posts, including Tammy's blog posts with more information and links to her book. Thank you. See you guys. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast. Want more healthy love? Visit www.fitchicks.com for amazing resources, free workouts, recipes, tips, and so much more to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out. Thank you for joining us this week. And remember, if you are ready to create the life, health, and career you love, Join us for the upcoming fitness and nutrition expert or our holistic nutrition weight loss expert certification programs. Download the brochures at fitchicksacademy.com.